Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. This month, actually, we want to talk about strengthening families. We want to talk about strengthening family. How many know that God's into relationships? You know, God is all about relationships. He wants to see relationships strengthened. He wants to see people's hearts connected to one another. And uh, one, of the, one of the greatest ways to uh, celebrate someone is to have a birthday. How many know when we have birthdays, uh, we celebrate someone's existence, we celebrate their birth? And uh, for me, growing up, birthdays were very, well, it's your birthday today, happy birthday. You know, we might have the family get together. We might, you know, every five years have a birthday party. It wasn't, birthdays weren't big, big in my family. They weren't like huge. But my wife's family growing up, birthdays, it wasn't a birthday, it was a birth week. Like you would celebrate the person. They get breakfast in bed. They get all of uh, these gifts uh, in their bed. And then they have a, a birthday lunch and a birthday supper. And they have all of the friends come over. And, oh, if the family didn't come, we have a second birthday on the next day, right? And it's like it's, it's celebrating a person. And so we have all these big tote boxes and bins with all of these uh, birthday hats and birthday supplies. And, and it, it's, it's crazy. And so it actually helped me. I have a little picture here if you want to bring up the picture, um, how it helped me during this season of COVID. If you want to bring up that picture, Brian. Not that one, the other one. Right here. See, it worked out for us because I went to the bin. No, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Okay. But... I want to talk about relationships this month, and um, I want to add the question, the title of my message is actually a question. Is your social bubble in trouble? Is your social bubble in trouble? And I want to talk about having an intimate relationship with God and how, that, how, how important that is. All right, we, we, we talk about in this season a lot, we hear a lot about social distancing. We hear a lot about having a social bubble. And so I wanted to just break that up a little bit today. The meaning of social means to relate to, to, de- to be devoted to, or to have companionship. And how many know that God has created us to be social beings? We need social interaction. We need to, to be devoted to someone. We have to have relation with someone. We have to have companionship. All right? And the word bubble actually means a good or fortunate situation that is isolated from reality. And so how many know we need social bubbles? With or without COVID, we need to have those places separated from the realities of life, which can be negative sometimes, where we have companionship and we have devotion to one another. How many would agree with that? Okay. And now psychologists now are realizing... uh, that uh, the term social distancing is actually a bad term because it should be physical distancing because social distancing is actually not a good thing, okay? And in this season of physical distancing, we need to make sure to stay connected socially, right? And we praise God for technology because we can talk to one another, we can FaceTime one another, we can connect with one another, right? And so this whole concept of social distancing is a negative thing because we need to have a connection one with another. We've been designed for connection. My theme verse this month is found in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 to 6. It says, look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah 
before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. And this is talking about the end times, okay? His preaching will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Now, the thing I want to point out here, this is talking about the end days, and we know that Elijah is going to come. He's going to be one of the witnesses during the tribulation time. And I'm not focusing on that. What I want to focus on right here is what the heart of God is. The heart of God is that he wants to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Because it's so important to God to have healthy relationships that if it's not in place, God says, I will come and let a curse be here. How many see how important it is to God? The power of the text right here is that God hates it when our hearts are not connected. God wants us to have companionship. He wants us to be devoted to people. He wants us to be connected at a heart level, okay? And so um, we have to realize something is that if if we're going to be connected, we have to first be connected with God, all right? You know... A bubble, remember, is a good or fortunate situation that is isolated from reality. And what is the reality right now? The reality right now um, is there's, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of uncertainty about the future. We don't know what's coming down the road. There's, there's an uncertainty about the future. That's the reality. But how many know we want to be bubbled away from that reality? We want to be in a safe place in relationship. How many hear what I'm saying this morning? And so today I want to ask the question, is your social bubble in trouble? Right? There's two social bubbles we can talk about. The first one is our bubble of relationship with God. What is our relationship with God like in this time? The other area we can talk about is our bubble of relationship with others, with people. But the Bible says you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. Right? And then you love your neighbor as yourself. And I thought this was really interesting as I studied this. I thought, you know, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, which means you build an intimate relationship with God. And in doing so, then you love yourself because God begins to reveal how much he loves you. And then you start to love yourself. Then you can effectively love others. But you have to make sure your relationship with God is strong. And then you can love other people. There's two men in the Bible I want to talk about this morning. The first, uh, and they were anointed. They were anointed. You know what the word anointed means? It means to appoint. And uh, it's actually the word mashak, which is to rub with oil, to anoint, to consecrate. And back in those days, the priest would go out, the, the prophet would go out, and he'd have a horn full of oil, and he would pour it on a man, and he would say, God's called you, God has appointed you, to, to be a king. God has appointed you for an act of service. And that was what it meant to be anointed. And so we see this happening here with King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 1. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and he poured it on his head and he kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? And so the prophet came and he anointed Saul and said, you're going to be the king over Israel, okay? How many know we need to be anointed, right? And um, 
In Psalm 91, it says, He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty God. God wants us to be in His protection. He wants us to be in that secret place. But you need to understand something, that God had anointed Saul. God had anointed David, who we're going to talk about in a minute. And God has anointed you and I. God has appointed us. You know... um, it's, it's kind of like if you go out in the center of the street and you try to direct traffic, people are going to get upset. They're going to honk their horns. They're going to get, you know, get out of the street or they're going to be upset with you. But if you put on a police uniform and you go stand in the middle of the street and you try to direct, no one's going to honk at you. Everyone's going to obey. People are going to slow down. Why? Because they recognize that, that you, are, you, you are anointed. You have that position, that authority because of the uniform you wear. When you become a Christian, God anoints you. He appoints you that you are his child. You have authority in the realm of the spirit. That's what God does. And so he anointed him. Now let's look at the second one. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 10 to 11. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I, I, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. Right? For he has turned his back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And this grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord day and night. And so what happened was Saul was anointed. He was given the police uniform. He was given authority. But then he stopped following God. And so, come here, Camilla. If you come, my wife here, she's, um, here, she's in my social bubble here. See my wife? So we're going to walk across the stage. Let's go. So we're walking together, right? And, and she's talking to me, and we have relationship. But exactly what happens is if she continues to walk, and I stop walking, and I turn away, guess what? I can't hear her voice anymore, right? If, if she's trying to talk to me, and I turn my back and walk away, I can't hear anymore. What did you say? Do the di- Did you say do the dishes? No, you know, like... I've walked away from her, so, and this is what Saul did. He turned back. You can, thank you, honey. You can sit down. He turned back from following the Lord. And because he wasn't following the Lord anymore, he, he could not hear the commands of God, and he did not obey the commands of God. And so you can be anointed by God, but not obeying God and not in relationship with God. And it's important that we build a bubble of relationship with the Father. It's important that we hear God, that we walk with God. Do you know what's really funny? I find um, God follows people up until the point where they get saved. Because how many know that God wants to get people saved? God wants people to know him and have a relationship with him. So he follows them, and, and he's like, you know, and he's working to get them saved. He's like the widow looking for the coin, just wanting, just there's so much value. People have value, and God follows people. When they give their heart to Christ, then God expects you to follow him. And you have to follow his ways, and you have to follow his word, and there's joy in that, okay? But what happened was he stopped following the Lord. And so what happened was um, God spoke to Samuel that he would anoint another person who was a son of a man named Jesse, to be son of, to be the king. Now, let's look at David the shepherd. This was the next person. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 11 to 13. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? And he said, 
there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. So Jesse got all this, the, the, the boys in the family, but he left the youngest taking care of the sheep. For whatever reason, he didn't think he qualified. But how many know it doesn't matter if people think you qualify. God looks the heart. He sees your heart. And so look what happens. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring this young guy to me, for, he, for we will not sit down until he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was Rudy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, that's why my wife calls me Rudy sometimes. No, she, it's, yeah, it won't go there. Um, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day on. He was anointed, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day on. So both David and King Saul were anointed, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. But it's not enough to be anointed. You have to make a choice. Are you going to build a bubble? The Bible says the preparations of the heart belong to a man, but the Lord... The words of the lip are from the Lord. So God wants us to establish a deeper relationship with him, okay? Are you anointed? I want you to say I'm anointed. But it's up to us. Are we going to build a bubble? Are we going to let our bubble be in trouble, right? Are we going to focus on our relationship with God? It's not just what you know about God. It's do you know him? I love what the disciple says, John says here in John chapter 1, verse 3. We'll bring that up. He talks and he says, The things which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. See the word fellowship? We need to have a social relationship. You need to be part of our bubble, okay? You have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. So John didn't say, hey, listen, you got to hang out with us because we have all the good teaching. We know about God. No, they said, we have intimate fellowship with God. And we want you to have the fellowship that we have with God. And so he was encouraged, encouraging the people to come into the fellowship. So how many can see that having a social bubble with God is important? If you believe it, let me see your hands here, okay? Awesome. So here's the question. How do you build a social bubble with God. How do you build it? And I'm going to give you three W's. Say three W's. They're simple, and if you do them, you're going to strengthen that relationship. Number one is wait. You need to learn to wait on God. Now, notice I said wait on God, not wait for God, because God is with you. When you're waiting on God, you're not waiting for him. He's with you. His presence is with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. But there's something about getting away and having a time of solitude, away from the busyness of life, away from the busyness of relationships with others, so you can be in a quiet place. All right? In fact, it says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Right? They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How many know that we need strength, right? And God says, if you want strength, you have to wait on the Lord. I want to say this. The voice of the Lord is not in the earthquake. The voice of the Lord was not in the tornado. It was in the small, still voice. All right? 
And the only way to wait on the Lord is to withdraw some time from the noise. Luke chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus said he often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. See the word often? Jesus was ministering to the multitudes. He was feeding them. He was teaching them. He was healing them. But in the midst of all that, he often, say often. Say it again. Say it again. Do you know what often means? Often. Withdrew himself from the noise. There's a t- we have to, if we're going to build a relationship with God, we have to often say, I'm going to, ha- I'm going to get away from the, the, the news. I'm going to get away from all the voices. I'm going to get away from my work schedule, and I'm going to have a time of solitude where I can be still and know that He is God. Amen? We need solitude. We, we need to be still. And I don't know about you, but I struggle with that. We have to actually put it in our schedule. We have to plan to do nothing sometimes and just be still and hear God. The second W is we need to wash. What are you talking about I need to wash? You need to wash with the Word. You need to wait in the presence of God, and you need to wash with the Word. What are you talking about, Pastor? Many times people, as, as Christians, we study the Word, but how many know that we can wash ourselves with the Word? We can cleanse ourselves with the Word. What do you mean? Well, let me explain it this way. Before I was a Mac guy a couple years ago, I always had PCs, all right? And the problem with the PC is you have to put this you know, Avast or, you know, different software in there to keep the viruses out. They don't have a good protection system. On, on, and I don't know where they are now, but that's where it was. when. And I was a guy when it would say, okay, you need to renew your subscription. Or you got to, you know, you know when it expires, you know, your Avast or whatever, the virus protection would expire. And I'd be like, I'll get around to it. Yeah, yeah, I'll get, I'll get to it tomorrow. I don't have time. And I, I would wait and I would miss the opportunity, right, because I didn't make time to... F- to, to update the software, and viruses would begin to come in, and sometimes I lost computers. How many can hear what I'm saying, right? And, and, and the Word of God is like that. It, it, we can read it. You can be going through a hard time say, you know, you're dealing with thoughts. You know, you don't like yourself. You can't forgive yourself for something you did, and you open the Bible, and the Bible says that, He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So you can say, no, no, no. Oh, thank you, God. You just washed me with that revelation. I don't have to feel dirty anymore because you've forgiven me. And your word says you love me, that I'm the apple of your eye. The scripture says it. So you wash all those thoughts out. You wash all that thinking out because you wash with the word. Does that make sense to anybody? The third W is we need to worship. So the first one is we need to wait. The second one is we need to wash. And Jesus, you know, it's funny because Jesus said to his disciples, you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. The word of God will wash you. Has anybody ever, like, been to a service, heard a sermon, worshiped in the presence of God, and and you came in and you just felt cluttered and you leave and you feel fresh? How many talk... Anyone experience that? How many have just spent time reading the Bible and praying and you walk away feeling, I feel refreshed? That's what it means to be washed. But the third thing, which is just as important, is we need to worship. You need to worship your God. 
You offer thanksgiving and hymns of praise to God. Amen? You have to do that on a regular basis. And tell the Lord, I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul, rejoice. And you sing and you worship. And worship doesn't mean you have to even sing. You can just say, Lord, I love you. You are worthy to be praised. You're awesome. I thank you that you're with me. I just want to tell you I love you. That's worship. But until we make time to wait on the Lord, we don't slow down and worship. And so um, we need to worship. So let's say the three W's again is we need to wait. Say wait. The second one is wash. And the third one is worship. And when you do these three things habitually, often, you begin to create a bubble of fellowship with God. And what does fellowship produce? Fellowship produces the presence of God in your life. Right? You can be anointed, which you are if you're a believer, but not carry any presence with you because you haven't taken time to wait, you haven't taken time to wash, and you haven't taken time to worship. And if you don't do that, the presence of God, is just doesn't, it just doesn't manifest around you. How many know we need the presence of God? Amen? And you can't have the presence of God in your life. You can't create an atmosphere around yourself of God's presence that's going to change the world unless you wait on God, unless you wash with the Word, unless you worship. Those three things have to be done in order to have the presence of God in your life. Why do we need the presence of God? Do you guys know why we need it? Here we go. Number one, we need rest. How many need rest here? In Exodus chapter 33, verse 14, and he said, My presence will go with you, and I'm going to give you some rest. We need rest, and in God's presence is rest. The second thing we need is we need joy. How many want some joy? In the midst of what's going on in your life, it doesn't matter what's happening. God wants you to have joy. Joy, Happiness fades, comes, and goes, but joy stays. And look what the Scripture says here in Exodus chapter, or Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is what? Fullness of joy. And at your right hand, pleasures forevermore. How many need some joy? Amen. Third, we need refreshing. How many need refreshing? Okay, let's look what the Scripture says here in Acts chapter 319. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out, so that what? Times of refreshing may come from where? The presence of the Lord. And I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you guys, if we will learn in the season to wait on God, to wash with the Word, and to worship Him, the presence of God, our social bubble won't be in trouble. The presence of God will fill us, and we're going to have joy. We're going to have refreshing. Isn't that good? And the beautiful thing about that is that there's an overflow from the bubble that you prepare in your own life. All right, let's look at this in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 21 to 23. Now, we've got to understand now, God had anointed Saul, God had anointed David, but Saul turned away from the Lord, and now a distressing spirit came upon, a depression came upon Saul. And so David, 
Look what happens here. So David came to Saul and stood before him, and he loved him greatly, and he became his armor bearer. And then Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was, whenever the Spirit from God was upon Saul, which was that uh, evil spirit that came, David would take a harp and play it with his hand, and Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. Why? Because the presence of the Lord was with him. Right? There was an overflow. And I want to say it's not just for you. When God refreshes you, when God gives you joy, when God gives you peace, you bring that bubble and you can change someone's world. You can change them. You can, get it. You can bring life to them. Why? Because you have life in you. Okay? Again, we see in Acts chapter 5, verse 15 to 16, so that it was when they brought out the sick in the street and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. And as the multitudes gathered and surrounded in the city of Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed as the shadow of Peter passed by. And what was really happening was Psalm 91 was manifesting. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty God. Now, so if my wife comes up again, and you stand right here, okay, and there's a light being cast on her, and I'm over here, guess what? I'm not in the shadow of my wife, right? But if I stay close to her, um, I can be, there's her shadow right here, I can be in her shadow. Does that make sense? He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the, the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my God and my refuge. In Him will I trust. Surely He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and the peerless pestilence. And under His wings you will take refuge. And so there's protection in the presence of God. How many hear what I'm saying? You can be, Thanks. But when we're close to God and we're in His shadow... That relationship we have with God will affect those around us. So it wasn't Peter's shadow that healed the sick. It was God's shadow that he was under. Does this make sense? All right. And um, when you get into, you know, the world and the New Age movement, you hear a lot about positive energy, negative energy. How many, you know? And talk, people talk about auras. They're just trying to explain what they don't fully understand. There's, you know, how many have walked in a room and there was just a big fight and everyone stops fighting? And you walk in, you can cut the atmosphere with a knife. How many know we create atmospheres because there's a spirit realm? How many hear what I'm saying? And, and so, so I, I went into this Tim Hortons and somebody introduced me to this guy. And he was a new age guy. And I went and sat down with him and he introduced me as a pastor. And so I was talking to this guy. His name was Brian. And he looked at me, he goes, man, he goes, you have like this really positive energy coming off you. You have this aura just like, and he's going on. I said, wow. I said, well, thank you. I said, that's the Holy Spirit. And I said, I see some negative energy on you. And he's like, what? You know? 
Because I had been spending time talking to God in relationship with God, in communion with God that morning, praying. And as I was sitting there talking to him, I was having a picture in my mind that was overtaking me of a father abandoning a little boy and walking away. I just had this vision in my mind. And I looked at him. I said, I, I, I feel uh, that what God, the Holy Spirit, is showing me is that your father left you when you were a little boy and your heart was broken. And I want to tell you that God the Father, if you'll give your heart to Jesus, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. This, this man who was six foot three, big guy, leather jacket, tattoos, began to weep. And he said, man, how do you know that? I said, because that energy that you think, that's the person of the Holy Spirit. And he loves you. He says, can I come to church? I said, absolutely. He said, well, well the only way, he goes, if I come, he goes, uh, I'm a spiritualist, and I, I, I sit back, and I feel the energies, and I draw pictures. Could I do that? I said, absolutely, yes, come. Feel the energy, man. So he came and sat at the back with a sketch pad. And I wish I had the picture. I, I showed, some of the church have seen it before. But he drew a picture of what I was preaching about. He ended up getting saved and getting water baptized, and became a disciple in the church. Amen? Because I carried with me a presence. It's really not just about information, you know. Um, I hear this so many times, how young kids grow up in the church, and then they go away to university, and their professors deceive them into humanism, and they reject God, and they become atheists. Man, I couldn't have done that if I tried. Because it wasn't just that my parents taught me the Bible. There was a presence of God in our home that was unbelievable. I experienced God. My mom, my mom and my dad and her sisters had a little Bible study in their basement. And we'd see miracles all the time. I remember laying up in my bed, four years old. How many remember when you were four? I remember being four years old, laying in bed, trying to go to sleep. And my mom would start playing the guitar and they'd start worshiping. And I would feel a presence just go right in the room. And it was all I can explain. It was peace. It was joy. And it was refreshing. And I fell in love with Jesus. I'd go to sleep. And I, it, was a, it was a Holy Ghost. It, was, it just came in like a wind. I felt it. I got a newspaper clipping. Here we're going to bring up. There's a woman that came to this Bible study. And she had cancer. And um, I think I... I I'm going to go from memory because I don't have the clipping, but can you bring it up, Brian, here? And she had, I think it was four-stage cancer. And this was in, in our local newspaper. Miracle cured her cancer. And in this article, she talks about how she went to the doctor in the first paragraph there. And if anyone wants to see it, I'll show you afterwards. She went to the doctors and she says, God healed me. At this, this is my mom right here. She's my mom with the blonde hair, and that's my two aunts, and that's her sitting on the couch. And she was prayed for, and God healed her of her cancer. So she, the article says she went back, talked to the doctors, and said, this can't be. We're going to run some tests. They ran some tests. They all came back. They said, you're cancer-free. And then she began to say, if you read the Bible and turn your heart to Jesus, he'll deliver you from smoking, drugs, alcohol, all kinds of things. And that's what the whole article is about. And it gave glory to God in our community of Cornwall. Amen? And so I was seeing stuff like this as a child. So as I got older, I didn't go to university, but if I did, and they would have said, oh, we don't believe God exists, and tried to explain. I'd say, you know what? God exists. I've seen miracles. I've seen lives changed. I watched my parents pray for someone whose arm was, like, way shorter and watched their arm grow. I saw the miracles of God. So you can't convince me. Sorry. I've already seen it. 
Already been there, all right? And so how many know we need to create an atmosphere of the presence of God? And how do we do that? We do it by waiting on God, by washing with the Word. And what's the third one? Worshiping. Worshiping. Right? So what's the thing that you need to do? Like if you leave this place today, don't just hear this Word. Be a doer of the Word. Schedule a time every day to wait, worship, and wash. Say it with me. Wait, worship, and wash. And what, if you've never done this before, I want to challenge you. I said, I want you to leave here today and say, I'll take five minutes. I'll take ten minutes. And I will wait, worship, and I'll wash. For some of you, you're doing it for ten minutes. Do it for fifteen. Begin to build that bubble. Begin to strengthen that bubble of God's presence in your life. Because I'm going to tell you, it's going to bring refreshing. It's going to bring joy. It's going to bring peace. And then there's going to be an overflow, which is going to change the lives of others. All right? We're living in uncertain times, guys, and if we don't wait, worship, and wash, what's going to happen is there will be trouble in our bubble, okay? And we won't have the courage that's produced by the presence of God, which we're going to cover more next week. I'm going to have David, if you, if you want to, guys, come up. John, if you want to jump on the piano, we just want to just, let's stand. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every person that heard this message today. God, I thank you that you are calling us in this. This is a season. We can't walk away from here, guys, and not do this. Because I, I really feel if we don't learn to, to, to wait on God, if we don't learn to worship, and if we don't learn to wash with the Word, then uh, there's going to be trouble for us. There's going to be no peace in this, in this season. God wants us to be a light. He wants us to have hope for others. And this is the season we need to do that. Amen. So, Father, I pray for every person in this place. God, I thank you that there's an urgency to begin to develop and strengthen our social bubble with you, Father, that we would have communion and fellowship with you, that we would take the time to wait on you every day, even if it's only five minutes, God. We have to get away from the busyness, God. We have to take that time because, God, you want to breathe that refreshing life into us so that we can change the world for you. And all God's people said, amen. If you haven't given your heart to Jesus, all you have to do is call on the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. The Bible says, confess your sins and he'll forgive you. And if that's you, I want you to pray with me. Say, Heavenly Father, forgive me for my sins. Thank you for sending Jesus to live in my heart. I ask you to be my Lord in Jesus' name. It's that simple. Make Jesus Lord and he'll move in. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.